From Washington, I'm David Schultz, and this is Talking Tax. There are not one, but two super high-profile trials in progress right now in which accounting, or the lack thereof, is playing a central role. Sam Bankman-Fried is facing fraud charges for allegedly siphoning off customer funds from the crypto company he founded, FTX. And former President Donald Trump is on trial in New York for, according to State Attorney General Letitia James, falsely inflating the value of his assets on his company's financial statements. However, as you're about to hear, the role of accountants and accounting in these two cases is very, very different. That's according to today's guest, Bruce Dubinsky, a forensic accountant who previously worked on cases involving Enron, Lehman Brothers, and Bernie Madoff. Bruce spoke to reporter Amanda Icone about why these two white-collar cases are more different than they are similar, and about what happens when accountants find themselves in what he calls the hot seat, a.k.a. the witness stand. And we should say we've reached out to lawyers for both Trump and Bankman Freed to ask them to come on this podcast, but we didn't get a response. First, Bruce talked about the different roles accountants can play in white-collar cases. There's two sides to the coin. Sometimes the accountants are part of the fraud and not participate in the fraud, and they find themselves in court in, in what I call the hot seat. And on the other side of the coin are those accountants that didn't play a part in, in the fraud or the alleged scheme and are called to provide either fact witness testimony, what do you know, what happened, what can you tell us about it? And then the, the third role that the accountant would play is an investigative or forensic accountant, which is my role to come in and either explain to the jury or to the judge what I think happened and how I investigated it and what my conclusions are based on my investigation. So you're seeing accountants involved more and more in these high-profile cases because it involves money and financial allegations. So gone are the days when the cases were simple. They're much more complex now uh, because of computers, uh, because of technology. Back in the day when I started in the county, we had uh, 16-column green paper Uh, that we took a pencil and an eraser out, and that's how we did accounting, right? Well, you could only do so much to create a fraud or perpetrate a fraud with that. With the advent of computers, the the sky was the limit on on creativity and how you could hide things, so it became more complex, which then required accountants either testifying to what happened or to investigating it uh, to be needed in court. Are there any other, um, you know, kind of bellwether cases that... Uh, and maybe more recent cases where accountants played a, a key role, either because they were involved or because they were able to provide, as you put it, the the facts and provide a witness to what was happening on the ground. Like, what what are uh, some other good examples of, of cases where accountants have played a, a big role? Well, I think you can look to recent Ponzi cases, uh, the Scott Rothstein Ponzi case. Accountants played a role in that case. Look, anytime you have money and finances involved, accounts are going to play a role. Lawyers went to law school, most of them, because they hated numbers, right? So they went to law school and, and skipped the accounting, the, the accounting side. Most people on juries uh, and most judges are, d- despite what you hear, you know, juries have a fifth grade education, seventh grade education. That, that's a misnomer. Juries are very smart, uh, but they have street smarts. So they may not understand the financial aspect of cases, They don't understand debits and credits because they've never been in accounting school. So you're finding accountants play roles in those cases to explain to the jury or to the judge, what does this mean? If someone took a loan out from a company 
what would it look like on the books? And if it's a real loan, what are the indicia of it being a real loan? Were there repayments? Was there interest being charged? Was the interest being charged at fair, fair market value, uh, market rates of interest? So those are things that accountants bring to the table that a lay fact witness wouldn't be able to bring to the table. And people on a jury wouldn't understand. If you say to somebody on a jury, oh, the company made a loan of a million dollars to the executive, most people might question the amount of it. Why did they make that loan? But they don't understand, was it really a loan or was it a fraud? You know, w w was the CEO just pulling money out of the company to make it look like there was a loan? And from an expert standpoint, why it wasn't a loan? I mean, that strikes me as a potentially really critical voice to have in a courtroom, right? Because oh, is it a loan or was it fraud is really the underlying question in, in some of these cases, right? It is. I mean, in that, in that context, it's, it's facts and circumstances. Um, but explaining a little bit beyond the, the facts and circumstances, the technical aspects of a loan. So that gets into the technical side of things. But, you know, a lot of cases are, are pretty straightforward. If somebody stole money, uh, maybe an investment fraud, right? So they, they had 10 investors and each one put up $10,000 and they were supposed to buy uh, stock in a company and, and it was a scam. And so those are easy, right? You don't really need an accountant for those. The prosecutor will show to the, to the jury okay, these people paid the $10,000, here's what they were told, here's maybe the PowerPoint pitch deck that they were given, and this guy took the money and never invested it. It's an outright fraud. Those are easy cases compared to, okay, what's the value of a building sitting on Wall Street, right? You and I could come up with different valuations, and, and that, that's a much more technical aspect. Well, so let's talk about these sort of two uh, co trials competing for headlines out of New York, right? You mentioned one of them. The New York State Attorney General is suing Donald Trump, uh, accusing the former president and his business of falsely inflating the value of properties on financial statements that were provided to lenders and others. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we also have Sam Bankman-Fried, who faces federal criminal fraud charges for basically siphoning customer funds from FTX, the crypto exchange, to his hedge fund, Alameda Research. I'm wondering what has stood out to you from the testimony so far in these two trials? Um, both of them kind of revolve around accounting issues. They, they do. But when you look at, so first of all, the, the Trump organization, Trump trial by the New York AG is a civil case, not criminal, right? And the SBF case is a criminal case. So right away, there's, there's two different dynamics that are going on. What stood out to me so far in both trials are the, the Trump organization trial is very technical. It's dealing with valuation issues. It's dealing with generally accepted accounting principles, what goes on financial statements. Um, and what people need to know about that is you and I can be hired to, to assuming we're both qualified to do it, to value uh, the same property in New York, and I guarantee you we're going to come up with different values. And the, and the difference could be substantial. In that trial, they're going to be arguing a lot about very technical accounting and finance issues. Let's flip over to the Sam Bankman free trial, criminal trial. They have co-conspirators that have pled guilty, right? So you've got Caroline Ellison, Gary Wang, Nishad Singh, and Ryan Salome that already pled guilty and cooperated. So the, the prosecution in that case has insiders with inside information that were there at the time. 
and they've elected only to put up one accounting expert. It's a, an accounting expert gentleman. His name is Peter Easton. He's a, an accounting professor, and he's going to testify to a very limited uh, issue on did uh, Alameda book on their books a liability for having taken money from FTX customers to Alameda and used it for investments. It's a different case. It's not a technical case. They're not trying it as a crypto case per se, although crypto was the background. So is that why we're seeing so many accountants testify in the Trump case, right? The first like three or four days was nothing but accountants versus, you know, as you've just laid out that we really, we might get one accountant talking about technical accounting matters and the FTX trial. Well, yeah, in, in the Trump Organization trial, these are all fact witnesses they, that they brought in. So they're not testifying as experts. These were accountants doing work for the Trump Organization. Remember, Donald Trump said on uh, many occasions, hey, my, my financial statements had disclaimers. Don't rely on them. Don't rely on them. So that should have put the banks on notice that whatever numbers were in there, you know, go do your own due diligence, which I'm sure when they get to the defense and they bring in the bank underwriters and the risk people at the banks, they did do their own underwriting and really didn't rely on those financial statements. But those accountants were brought in as fact witnesses to lay the facts out for the judge of what they did and what Trump might have told them or the organization or Eric Trump or what controllers told them it didn't. So they're, they're gathering all the facts from all of these people because it was all accounting-based issues, valuation. How did they book it on the financial statements? Were there liabilities? Were those fairly stated? You flip over back to the SBF trial, it's about a pure outright fraud. You sold the money, right? So you don't need a lot of those experts. And, and in SBF, they didn't have inside accountants. They didn't have layers of control. And while they did use outside accountants, and maybe one will be brought in, the auditors that they did use were, uh, you know, a small auditing firm. That as soon as they realized in FTX there were problems, they distanced themselves pretty quickly. Trump had used the same auditors for years and years till they distanced themselves. So I think that's the difference right now in these two trials. One, you're seeing a lot of fact gathering from the financial professionals that were doing all the work to support valuations and prepare those financials and, and give documents to the banks and, and the loan documents and, and back and forth. And you flip over to SBF and the FTX, they didn't have you know much internal control. Basically, from what I understand from the bankruptcy trustee, there was no internal control at FTX. So different dynamics, different types of trials. And I think that's why you're seeing different types of witnesses in both trials. To your point earlier that as these frauds have become more complex, that the role of accountants has evolved in these cases. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit more about that. I mean, what does this say? I mean, what do these two cases say about the role of accountants in modern day frauds? So I think, you know, two sides of the coin. If you're inside a company and you're asked to do certain things, you know, you can end up on a very slippery slope. And once you start going down that slope, it's hard to get back off of it and, and to a point of safety. So beware. Uh, the prosecutors today, and certainly in the federal level, are much more skilled at going after white-collar crime, and you're, you're going to find yourself in the hot seat. On the other side of the coin, if you're called as an expert, um, gone are the days where the CPA could walk in and, and qualify as an expert. You need additional qualifications and expertise. I've got a lot of initials past my name and different certifications, and that's what's required to walk into court and testify about valuation, to testify about financial matters, 
investments. So I think there's, there's a growing role because prosecutors are taking more white collar cases. They never used to take them in the past unless they were blockbuster cases because they're hard to prosecute, right? It takes a long time and a lot of money. And the defense usually has the wherewithal to hire experts and then you're in the battle of experts. But I will say they're taking more cases now. They're looking at it. The SEC's, you know, beefed up their enforcement. So I think there's a role for the accountant that has specialized training to walk into court as an expert and provide assistance to the trier of fact, be it the jury or judge, and to educate them. And so you're going to see more of those those roles. Accounting has become more complex in, in you know, the last 10 years. FASB, the Financial Accounting Standards Boards, keeps issuing more standards, and you go read those. They're written by lawyers. So you try to interpret, what does it really mean? What should you be doing? Uh, it's very difficult um, to, to interpret sometimes, and that difficulty interpretation leaves the door open for those people that want to drive a Mack truck through it to perpetrate a fraud. I'm curious, too, you know, I, I want to talk about a, a, a different kind of loss, not the the, the loss of customer funds, but the the loss of accountants, and and you 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 know you mentioned SEC enforcement is rising. You mentioned how busy the the Financial Accounting Standards Board has been. Um, we've got that that little audit regulator in Washington, the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board that's been very busy lately. And uh, you know, but since the start of the pandemic, the the profession has shrunk. I mean, it, it's it lost more than three hundred thousand accountants, and, and just recently we've reported that the number of accounting graduates plunged 17% since 2019. So I wonder, you know, the, the numbers are, are staggering. Will any of this media attention on valuations and balance sheets and what Donald Trump Jr. knows or doesn't know about GAP, will any of that make accounting more attractive to younger generations? Will this make accounting the new it job, again, much like the, the bump it received from the unfortunate, maybe the one silver lining of the Enron and WorldCom scandals 20 years ago. I, I wish I could say I think it would have a great impact, um, but it's not going to. When you talk to young people going to college, accounting is not sexy. It, it, it's perceived as boring. The investigative side of accounting is perceived to be you know more exciting, but you can't investigate and, and be an investigator till you understand the basics of accounting. So you've got to put your 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 time in, so to speak, to be an accountant first. The salaries are way below where they should be. Audits are a commodity. My colleagues in the audit profession would disagree, but companies don't want to pay for audits. It's a necessary evil. They'll find a company that's qualified, but they look to to price, you know, that they're price shopping. So there's not a lot of markup in, in, in the audit world. Uh, people just aren't going into accounting. And I, I can't blame them. When I started, um, it was grueling. I put in 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks. I mean, that's absurd. No one's going to do that. So the, the profession with the five-year accounting um, requirement, I think, shot themselves in the foot. I was one of the vocal, uh, outspoken um, critics of that when it came out many years ago, decades ago. I thought you know, adding a, a fifth year was going to really suppress the amount of graduates, and it did. And the accounting professional will not back off from that today, despite, like you said, the, the accounting graduates are, are continuing to dwindle. It's a real problem for the profession. It's a real problem for businesses because you still need accountants. As much as everything's computerized and they're talking about AI, we do a lot of the, the grunt work in the accounting world, you still need accountants and finance people to, to run businesses. You still need controllers. And 
there's going to be a bottleneck, um, and, and I don't know what's going to come of that in the future. That was Bruce Dubinsky, a forensic accountant, speaking with Amanda Icone. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up-to-the-minute news and the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax is produced by myself, David Schultz. Naomi Jagoda is our editor from Washington. I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. In a global tax landscape that changes by the day, it's what you don't know that can leave you exposed. At Bloomberg Tax, we provide market-leading intelligence and practical applications to help tax professionals work smarter, faster, and more accurately. Our solutions provide the insights you need for game-changing outcomes. To revolutionize your performance in real time, the difference is Bloomberg Tax. Learn more at pro.bloombergtax.com.